Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I'm your host, Aliza Kelly, and I am so thrilled to be with two people for the first time in Stars Like Us history, which is kind of bizarre. You would think that this arrangement would have happened or presented itself at some point. We're in like a hundred episodes, but alas, it has not. Tank, there are no coincidences. It had to be with Imani and Ellen, the co-hosts of the podcast Woke Mystic, the co-authors of Astrology SOS. Another just absolute mindfuck has happened, which is that I, as I always do in Stars Like Us, I collect the sun, moon, and rising of our guests. And you guys will never believe this. Imani is a Cancer sun with a moon in Pisces and a Capricorn rising. And Ellen is a sun in Leo with a Capricorn moon and a Pisces rising. And if you guys don't know my big three, I'm Leo sun with a Capricorn rising and a Pisces moon. I knew I was going to get the order screwed up at some point because it's just a fuck, like, fuck show of Capricorns and Pisces and Leos and Cancers, which is on like the same axis as Capricorn. I am, I, I'm speechless actually. It's kind of wild. Um, Ellen and I actually have like literally the same big three in different orders. And then Imani and I have the same moon and rising in the same order but different suns but this is this is crazy here <laughs> i'm so happy to meet you both my my twins i guess <laughs> triplets now <laughs> thank you guys for being here thank you for having us yeah thank you for having us so i i want to first start out for our listeners um who are just getting to know you here on this platform um Tell us a little bit about yourselves. How did you guys um, begin working together? How did the podcast come to be? How did the book come to be? What is the origin story? So Imani and I met back in 2015. Um, we both attended a, yeah, St. Haran that um, Solange was hosting at the time because she had her record label, St. Haran, and they were happening all throughout the U.S. And she had them frequently in L.A. during a period of time. and. Imani and I both met at one um, event that was like hosted in Silver Lake, like at a bar. And Imani was basically at the time like promoting her own clothing line, Swage. And I was working in fashion at the time. So her and her friend came up to me and started talking, of course, through divine alignment. Of course, they chose me to come up to. <laughs> and yeah, we started talking about fashion, but Imani was also talking about spirit animals too. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like bringing in the spirituality element because it's very rare in the fashion world to find other people who are talking about spirituality too in that way. And so we really hit it off there. And then we started like meeting up for lunches and brunches and things like that. And we, it would always start like talking about like career and things like that, but always just like move into spirituality. And so we knew between the two of us that we had a network of people that were really interested in these topics, but we weren't really seeing them represented. So basically not seeing a lot of like BIPOC, like being public figures in the wellness space. And so we thought, well, maybe we'll do an event series. And at the time this was before COVID. So we were like, well, maybe we'll do a dinner and like invite our friends over and have a topic of the night, that sort of thing. And then there was one day, I think I was at work and I was listening to a podcast and I was like brainstorming, like I was at work, but my mind was also thinking about other things. <laughs> and I was thinking about just how vast spirituality is. And I was like, how are we going to make this into like a, a series of events? Like, it's just so big. And like, we need a space and like all the logistics were coming up in my head. 
And then I was like, maybe we'll try a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, hold on. Hold on. Roll it free back. Like, how are we going to execute this? And I was like, oh, what if it was a podcast? Because that's accessible. That also allows us to broaden our reach beyond our network. It becomes global at that point if you're a public platform. And it helps us dive into topics on a more detailed level. And so I texted Imani and she was down and we met up at my place and we got out big sheets of paper and like in one evening, like came up with a business plan for it and a strategy of how to begin marketing for it. I have a um, creative design background and Imani has a business and marketing background. So we balance each other out in that way. And so that was what was really cool about it was like bringing together both our skill sets to help birth the platform. And so that came about in... Night, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And, and pre-COVID, it's like, there's going to be like... Pre-COVID. Before yes. COVID, <laughs> after COVID. I guess that's like the new BC, yeah. Yeah. BCAC. Yeah. <laughs> what was really funny was during the pan, like the beginning of the pandemic, Facebook did one of those things of like sharing with me. Five years ago today, you posted this and I had just had a lunch with Ellen. And I guess we talked about being like, boss babes and working and alignment and being woke. And so like the caption I said was like, just had like lunch with my friend, Ellen, like talking about being boss babes and being woke and having no idea that like three years later, (laughs) we were going to come up with a podcast called the woke mystics (laughs) and like both be founders, like bosses together. (laughs) So when, when Facebook showed me that, I was like, oh, so this was all mm-hmm. predestined. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So, so it was really through your friendship and through your shared interests. And you also met um, out and about in the world, which like RIP <laughs> out and about in the world. But I think that that's kind of really special and interesting, too, because it's hard to find friends when you're yeah. an adult. That's not an easy thing to, you know, like it's you find friends through mm-hmm. school um, and then maybe through your job. But like actually making a meaningful friendship when you're at an event or something like that's really I don't know. I, I feel like that gets harder and harder as you get older. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Is that something? How did you guys like fortify a friendship as adult people? At the time, like Ellen said, I was doing Swage, which was my first Um, or really it was my second venture of trying to become an entrepreneur and being a creative, like, and doing that, it, it puts you in spaces where you have to start talking to people and kind of take the barrier down. And as a cancer, you know, know, (laughs) like, (laughs) like, oh my God, like for our cancer listeners, please give some pointers. Right. Um, well, I took my friend with me. I was with my friend, Alyssa, and I would intuitively scope out who I wanted to talk to. And then she would go and break the barrier. And then I'd come in right behind her and like seal the deal. Oh my God, I love that. So you had like a whole, like a whole wingman plan, a wingwoman situation. Yeah. Yeah. Just for like... Breaking the ice of con- not romantically at all, yes. like networking, making friends, aligning Connecting. with people. Yeah, exactly. So it was always nerve wracking at one point in time. I got more comfortable with it just out of practicing it, but um, it was always nerve wracking to go to these events, especially because sometimes I went alone. Sometimes I didn't have anyone to go with. And 
I was still going to go. It was like, okay, well, these are, you know, really cool artistic events that I want to be at and I'm, I'm going to go no matter what. Um, and so then, yeah, through practice, it just became easier, but it was also really intuitive. Mm -hmm. Like I, I went up to who I felt drawn. I was like to go up to. And then from there, it's really based on who's open to connection, you know, because especially being in LA, I feel like everybody is so, you know, we're all so focused on like what we need to get done. And if we already have our friend circle, we kind of can be like, okay, I've got what I need. I don't need to venture out of that. And so I think it's really about people being open to vulnerability so that you can have true connection. and. Um, And then also just like being in full surrender of alignment of like not forcing it, but doing it when it, when it happens organically. Yeah, I really love that. And I think that that's really good advice because I know that, you know, again, we're talking about, we're still in the midst of a pandemic right now, but there will be a future where Mm -hmm. people go out again and go to events and because we're humans and like we're social animals, um, we want to be around other people. And then also just practically like, People need people, um, especially people who are entrepreneurs need people. It's all about collaboration and, you know, working together and forming bonds. And for me, this podcast, especially during in the last year, has been the primary way that I've made friends outside of the existing circles and communities that I have because I'll have people on, we'll hit it off, we'll connect on Instagram, you know, we'll stay talking. Obviously, that hasn't translated in the past year into anything physical and in and any sort of like material realm connection where we're getting brunch or hanging out. But it's nice, you know, this space has provided me uh, kind of my own little networking bubble. But for those who don't have podcasts or for those who don't have their own platforms to be able to invite people on and, you know, basically like have pseudo cocktails or tea in this kind of climate, in this kind of context, I think that it's important to remember that like not everybody is going to want to hang. That's okay. It's nothing personal. And the people who do want to hang want to hang because they also are interested in collaborating in some capacity. So like if you go to an event and you don't end up meeting anyone, that's fine. That doesn't mean you are a failure and you're never going to meet someone at an event. You can keep trying and keep going. And I think you guys are like a, a wonderful testament to that because that's really inspiring to me to hear that you guys met as adult people out and about in like a networking capacity and then have you know, scaled over the past few years to make all of this incredible art together. Yeah. I think at the time when I met Imani, I I already wasn't satisfied in my job in fashion as well, too. So I had a lot of intention too of like broadening my network of people who were also like doing things outside of the traditional nine to five as well. So like I was open to like receiving that and also being like, a Pisces rising, people do just want to talk to you. Like people just come up and start talking to you. Yeah, and that's like, true. Oh, okay. Pisces rising. And then the Leo sun is like really warm and welcoming. And then my Capricorn moon's like freaking out inside. <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> but the, I think it, like Imani said, it's very intuitive as well. Like you align with people when you're calling in certain energy too, you'll begin to call in the people. Cause at the time I definitely was trying to broaden my network. I was like, I think at the time, still at my nine to five, but I was really focused on my art and like getting it out there and networking with other artists as well. So the fact that like 
I put out this call and then Imani was putting out like herself just out there to promote her business. And then we just aligned in that way because our frequencies were matching up. Our energy was calling to each other. That's beautiful. I really love that. So now let's pivot and talk about your podcast. So you started your podcast before COVID, <laughs> 2018, 2019, who the fuck knows? Who cares? Who remembers? But in January, I think January 2019. Yeah. And how, what has that journey been for you? Wild. I mean, yeah, it's changed life, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> there's, you know, there's a pre-COVID life and a post-COVID mm-hmm. life. And then there's also like a pre-woke mm-hmm. mystics life and a post-woke yep. mystics life. Yeah. You know, for me, it really birthed like this really beautiful organic way to live a authentic life that could venture outside of the matrix. Um, when I had done Swage, Swage was b- like before its time. Um, I'm kind of a child before my time because I'm my mother's <laughs> daughter. So I had struggled a lot with entrepreneurship and I was doing it alone, um, Swage. And so to then venture into a space of doing something with somebody else. It's like this built-in support system um, because you're like in it with somebody and kind of like Ellen said to have complementary skill sets together really helped because we could both bring in certain elements that the platform needed. And so being able to birth this thing and then having it be at a time where people are really open to this kind of information and they are craving it, then it meant that we were doing something that had impact and it was meaningful. And so it, it grew. So we got kind of that, not instant gratification, but definitely fulfillment that came in pretty immediately in building this space. And um, it abroaded our community because we do bring on a few guests each season And so, you know, we could look at people that we admired their work. And then kind of like you said about making friends through your podcast, it's like you invite them on and then it becomes this network and this larger community. So I think that on a a bigger scale is what it's done. And then on a smaller scale, there's been this personal element of like our evolution growing as practitioners and um, as creatives, as people. And so with that, you know, coming on, I did intuitive readings and that was kind of passed down to me from my mom. Um, but then I really got into the, the realm of quantum through having this podcast and have worked with a, a shamanic quantum healer and that's broadened things. And then, you know, we did this book together And so before that, like astrology was something that was always integral to the information that I I had in my back pocket for spirituality. But then doing the book really meant delving into this information on a deeper level. And so it's just been a full, a full swing of expansion as a individual and professionally and like all of the ways. I second that. Yeah, definitely second that. Like, I think we had divine timing for sure when we launched the podcast because at the time people were just starting to get into like astrology memes and things like that. And, you know, starting to dive into that information and spirituality more. And then little did we know, of course, that COVID was going to happen and, you know, shut us all in. And then people were going to start to dive more into their spirituality practices and start, you know, questioning like what higher belief systems mean to them. I think the podcast really, especially during the pandemic began to thrive. 
because people were really seeking out that information, trying to get answers to things that they weren't getting answers to, you know, by the external world. So I think that we had divine timing in starting it that way. And definitely the evolution of the community that it's created. We get like messages from people all over the world and like these small little pockets of the world too, who are like, you know, we love your podcast and we don't have a lot of this kind of community out here. So it makes us feel supported. And that's always so heartwarming to hear is that we're reaching these people who may not have community in their own spaces as well. And yeah, personally, just being able to evolve um, because at the time I was like so dedicated to staying in fashion, but I knew I was miserable in fashion. And I was like, this can't be it. And spiritually, like that had always been circulating in my life, like astrology, my grandmother had passed down to me or had taught me a little bit about. And then in college, I was diving more into it, but I just read for friends and family. I didn't really take it as something serious. And the podcast definitely forced me to start taking myself serious as a spiritual being. And also as a healer as well. And my passion of working in community spaces came out more through my workshops and things like that. I have a Sagittarius Midheaven. So like teaching is very important to me. And so I think that it kind of just pulled me, it put me back into alignment with what I'm actually supposed to be doing. Like they're like the arts and the creative is still there and like it's going to come back in, but this is how it's going to come back in rather than this fashion industry career that you're trying to create that you know is uncomfortable for you. Yeah, I could not. I mean, I before I was in astrology, (laughs) I was in I was in the art world, which was, you know, I would imagine as disenchanting (laughs) as fashion is, but also but without (laughs) models (laughs) and like um, bodies and like beauty standards, like art world was just really disenchanting because I realized that it's really just for rich people. Like, that's it. And that wasn't what my background is. So I realized that I just was making, I was setting myself up for failure. And that was really disappointing to realize that there was a whole industry that I was not going to be able to be successful in simply because I didn't come from a wealthy family. Mm -hmm. But that, you know, the art world doesn't have to deal with you don't have to deal with like mm. merchandise mm-hmm. and branding, all of the really complicated fashion industry things that I am very <laughs> grateful that I never had to deal with because I feel like it could have really fucked with my psyche even more than my psyke was already fucked, you know? Fashion mm-hmm. made me fashion <laughs> made me have to be very secure within myself. Like I will say that it gave me the lesson of like being very empowered in myself because fashion is based around selling to people's weaknesses and to their insecurities. And that's something where there's something that I, like, that's what I really, (laughs) that's why I really left fashion. That was the core of it because I wanted to empower people, but in order to empower people, you have to also be empowered within yourself. And so that's something that being in the fashion industry for almost seven years had to teach me, like, you have to like be strong within yourself and your identity, especially when this whole industry that you're working in is telling you that it's invalid. So that was a big lesson for me in that job sphere. But I had to get out because I was like, this is not it. I want to empower people and the spiritual life was calling. So the woke mystics definitely pushed me um, to actually follow the the call. Yeah, I actually I wrote in my in my book that's coming out later this year. I had a whole multi-page free flowing, almost like a purging of awareness of how when we live in this consumer based culture, everything is set up 
to suggest and imply that what we're doing isn't right. You know, like we're not wearing the right jeans. We aren't using the right hairbrush. We're not using the right skincare products. We're not exercising the way we should be. We're not eating the way we should be. And everything that's being positioned either directly or indirectly implies that there's something better that we should be doing. And I ended up taking all of that out of my book because I had an editor read it and she was like, this is a little bit of a tangent, like from the rest of it. And I was like, I know, but it's it's an important thing. She's like, it is important. It is important, but maybe don't put it in this chapter. So suffice it to say, readers will never hear my like 10 page tangent on how fucked up it is to live you know, to create your identity in a culture that is always telling you that you could be doing something better. When I think that how I was able to really ground myself in my spiritual work was kind of the antithesis of that. It was kind of like, you're perfect. Don't change. (laughs) And it had to kind of start there and then build out and then allow for more conversations, deeper dives, you know, healing, transformation, but it couldn't come from this place of scarcity, Mm -hmm. of feeling like I was already, I was not a whole person. I was adding to being a whole person, um, which I think is a complete like rewiring of being a person in a consumer-based society that is demanding that you're never doing things the right way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And there is the tangent again that is now not in my book, but here. And <laughs> so, so motivate. Okay. Um, so how did the book come to be, Astrology SOS? I mean, there was, a, there was a few divine pieces, I think, that lined up for that. Um, one being that I had kept getting this download that I needed to write a book and um so I started writing a quantum book, which, by the way, we're going to have to talk about because I'm not even, <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but it sounds very evocative. It, it is kind of evocative. Um, it's a great word for it. But yeah, so I started writing that because I just kept getting this download and I'd gone, got a reading and they were like, you're writing this book. I said, I know, I know I've got the message. Spirit tells you to do something. <laughs> you do it. So I had been writing And then at the same time doing um, the outreach for the Woke Mystics. And most of our connections or pretty much all of them have been very divine. Um, So in reaching out to people, I ended up reaching out to this woman without knowing that she was a publisher. And so she wrote back and she said, hey, I'm a publisher. So if you guys have any ideas, let me know. And Quantum is, is too ahead of times. So it ended up being that she suggested we do astrology. And um, of the two of us, Ellen is really the one who does um, astrology the most as like, as far as like really professionally teaching it. And so we already had that in our toolkit on our platform. Um, And so we agreed to writing this astrology book. And then the second piece that came into play, well, I guess the second piece was that within our platform, Um, we had a voice for that with Ellen. And then um, the third piece was that we happened to be living together um, shortly before the pandemic started. And so with us living together, that meant that we could bust this out in three months and kind of had a pretty like set schedule that we could work with. We, we, I think do pretty well with that as far as like, okay, I write this section, you write this section, let's bring it together. Let's focus on the voice and then move on to the next part. So writing 
the book was pretty easy and got done pretty smoothly within like a three month process. And on top of that, more, more to do with some numbers, um, Ellen's a three, I'm a 10 and we lived in apartment 13, which was kind of interesting as well. <laughs> oh, wow. That's cool. I love that. <laughs> so yeah, there was a lot of these different like divine pieces that came into play, um, when we were writing and that was essentially how we came to doing astrology SOS. And I think what's also really cool about it and challenging is that it was written by two people and most books are just written by one author. And so it was hard in the sense that like when you make a book deal, like even though it was two of us, it's, we're only considered one person. So like, you know, with money and all of that kind of stuff, like it's just, it's kind of challenging. Or even when we got our first book copy, like they only sent us one and it's like, oh man, okay, well, we're two people. <laughs> so it's kind of that, that element is challenging, but it's also really special and really cool because yeah, I think we're really taught to do things individually, especially in Western culture, like move out, move out at 18, like do your own thing. And so to create community space that's led by two people, like automatically, even before we speak kind of sets a tone for, for saying like, you know, this is about a bigger collective message than just one person. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I would so relish the opportunity to divide (laughs) my work in half. (laughs) But I also know that that is that comes with its own complexities. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's both in terms of like finding a cohesive voice across two voices and contracts and agreements and money and all of those types of things. I'm sure that that also adds different types of stress and different types of, well, I guess, variables that just need to be considered, but important ones because they're that's sort of the microcosm of the community, right? Mm-hmm. Like we do have to think about sharing our resources and how, you know, that factors into our output and our products and the things that we do. And you guys as sort of coordinating that and moving through it and navigating how the system isn't set up for that, I think is also indicative of <laughs> how the system is not set up Absolutely. for that. Yeah, you know? yeah that's like, the contrast. It's not, that's really interesting. Right. <laughs> Like yeah. it's not set up to be mm-hmm. community focused. It's not set up for multiple people to benefit. It's set up for mm-hmm. a single person to benefit. Mm-hmm. It's still a little um, capitalist. <laughs> which is part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It still has a capitalist structure within it. Like I think people think because you work in wellness or spirituality that, you know, it's all kumbaya all the time. And it's like, actually, there's a lot of competition mm-hmm. that happens with people sometimes. And it's not like conscious, like people, it's just the way our society set up to always like think of like, your primary needs first before like thinking of collaborating and working with other people. So that's definitely something I think the woke mystics does very well is that it shows that it is possible to have two people like at the head of a platform and like challenging that Mm -hmm. um, belief as well. I think, yeah, people are a little bit amazed that there's two people leading it versus just like one person. And it's a blessing having like another person to bounce ideas off of too. That's the beautiful part too. And the consistency that we've created behind the platform has really helped push it far. Yeah. We treated it like a, I don't want to say the word a job, the job, a job sounds kind of like it's giving it a disservice, but we both took it very seriously from the beginning. So that really helped to like put momentum behind Mm -hmm. it because 
there was like, we were like committed. We were both committed to it, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important to make sure that both people are not necessarily, the goals don't have to be the same because people are different, Mm -hmm. but the commitment needs Mm -hmm. to be the same. You know, both people need to be equally invested in wanting it to be successful. Oftentimes, like if I'm working with a client and that client is in like a professional partnership and I'm trying to help them sort of navigate through it, you know, something that has really come up as a conversation about collaboration and partnership is recognizing that 50-50 is the way to go. Like you have, if you're working with another person, you can't quantify it. It can't be like, well, they worked for four hours the other day and I'm working for 10 hours. Like that's not 50-50. Like, no, everything is 50-50, everything, because the whole entity wouldn't exist if it wasn't 50-50. So even if someone has to do more to put more time in, you know, one week or one month or even one fucking year, and the other person has their own needs that they need to be attending to and they can't be as hands-on, it's still 50-50. You know, you're not like going in and being like, well, we're actually going to do a 70-30 pick up more hours. Like, but I think that that's also an extension of like, you know, so many of these Western societal restrictions and traps. Everything is put on a spreadsheet and quantified rather than the fact that qualifiable truth is that you guys wouldn't be the woke mystics without each other, you know, yeah, no. yeah. So regardless of <laughs> like you need each other to exist, yeah. which is more important than time spent on any given day. And obviously, of course, you guys, I'm sure, have your own formulas and your own agreements with each other of how to make it a fair collaboration. But the spirit of a collaboration or a partnership needs to be like this wouldn't exist without all of us. So we're not going to try to just like itemize everything in order to make it to see who's getting what from the equation, you know, the podcast Mm -hmm. is a a child or I like to call it, it's our child. Like we co-parent. So like, there's definitely moments where like, maybe like one of us is going through something personally. So there's a week where one of us has to like kind of fall back. But I think we balance each other out in that way where usually divinely it doesn't happen at the same time. (laughs) Like, so one of us will be maybe pushing the platform more one week and maybe you'll switch off like next month, that sort of thing. It kind of like energetically already works that way. But it does feel like, a child mm-hmm. in a way of like the platform has its own identity and its own purpose. And we've kind of like just watched it grow. Like we have a mission with it and then we're very open to how it adjusts and grows too. And then we're like the two parents that are coming in and nurturing it and making sure it has food and water and like it's on, <laughs> at school on time. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 I, um, kind of piggybacking off what Ellen said about if something's going on with us personally and like how that shifts. I found, especially when we were doing our social media, that was really true. Cause like social is a, takes a lot of time. It's a whole job. <laughs> so you're posting, <laughs> it's a whole job. So you're posting every day and like you want it to be really organic, authentic content. So you're really putting a lot of effort into what you're posting yeah, sometimes one of us might be posting more than the other. And that was never a verbal communication thing. It's more like, you know, maybe Ellen's like done a whole bunch of work one week. And so the next week, like she needs to like have a little breather for herself. And then I'm posting a little more. And then maybe I'm on some crazy mission that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this artist (laughs) thing in this one place. And so then she'll be picking up a little bit more. And, um, 
Now we brought on our first team member, which is really exciting, um, who's taking over our social and doing a lot of our marketing stuff. So it really feels like a child now because (laughs) we're sent, you know, the the teacher has stepped in. (laughs) And so now we're like having meetings where it's like, okay, you and I, we're on the same page and then we're going to share this information with them. So somebody has seen the inner workings of our, of, of how we mm-hmm. operate and how we push the, the platform forward. And so that's a whole new dynamic mm-hmm. to adjust to as yeah. well, because now it's not just the two of us. It's really its own child, <laughs> its own entity. That's so exciting. Congratulations. That's huge. That's Thank a you. really big uh, move to start expanding and then to turn the, you know, I always, you know how it is thinking about geometry all the time, <laughs> like <laughs> thinking about an opposition, right. triangle, this. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's a shared experience for other people, yeah. but as you were saying that, I was like, of course, now it's a triangle shape, and then the triangle yeah. shape is going to go into a hexagon yeah. shape. And, <laughs> yeah, totally normal mm-hmm. ways of having a brain process. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, can you tell me about quantum? Yeah. Um, essentially, quantum is, I kind of see it as a scientific way to explain everything being connected. So, you know, we just had a guest on our podcast talking about yoga and about a lot of uh, unity consciousness and, but like through a certain modality. And so quantum is just the scientific way to talk about how we are all interconnected. Quantum mechanics would be talking about atoms and particles and how they interact with each other. And quantum healing is saying that that can be done on a human level. So a few like buzzwords that people will probably connect to multidimensional. So every time you fall asleep and you dream, you're in a different dimension of space, right? Um, Deja vu. Every time you have deja vu, you're having a conscious awareness of your own consciousness. And so quantum is about um, us all being conscious beings with or without a body that plants everything as consciousness. And so um, a a moment of deja vu is just becoming aware of that, like almost like stepping out of it and being like, wait, I already remember this happening before because within quantum, everything has already happened. Past, present, future can all be tapped into at the same time. And so that's why they say with quantum manifestation, like sometimes things can happen quote unquote faster than they would normally. Um, and which really just means that you put yourself in alignment with where your path is supposed to be. And then that's what brings things in on this quote unquote faster pace or faster level, um, which takes a lot of work because you're doing a lot of stuff around energy and frequency. Everything is seen through the lens of energy and frequency. And that would kind of be like a, a quick way to summarize it. The fact that like we are everything here, but then, I mean, there's so many portals and dimensions of space. We've got extraterrestrials and all of these other places that um, beings exist. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it's kind of a little bit mind blowing. You're, you know, you, you can get real far out the Pisces can just move. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, you know, like you're literally just speaking my everyday experience yes. with the Pisces moon. It's like, yeah, of course. Yeah, duh. <laughs> Constantly moving through portals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I like this old house mm-hmm. is because it's a portal. Yeah. There's yeah. just portals everywhere. Yeah, going through yeah. floors of the 2000s, yeah. the 20s. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, cool. just portals on portals on portals. It's... My favorite thing ever is to move between them and to, I'm so grateful to have a body that is allowing me to do that in this state right now because it's a it's a fun one. 
to get to interact on the physical world like this. Yeah. But can we talk a little bit about like the (laughs) alt-right and like QAnon adopting these terms too? Because that's been very scary for me. Yeah. And it's also made me scared of words like quantum because they have been so appropriated Mm -hmm. by white supremacists. Yeah. For me, it feels pretty revolutionary to be a woman of color and doing quantum work because it's usually dominated, you know, through science, quantum physics um, with white men and in very like university-like settings. So I, through doing this work, I, I bring a lot of people in that are women of color that are curious to learn more about this. So by doing it myself, it creates a space for other people to um, feel empowered in it because they see themselves. So, um, I'm not surprised that we have like alt-right groups that are trying to adapt this because they try to adapt everything, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like it's the, it's their way of trying to make sure they stay in control, but their, their system is usually based on fear and power, which, you know, being far removed from it, I can look at it from the outside and say, well, we're, we're a a dual system, you know, we're based on duality. So there's always going to be light and dark. So light has to exist just as dark has to exist. And dark is just doing its job. And as being somebody who, who doesn't want to operate in that world, it's like knowing that it exists, but doing the work that we need to do you know? And so, uh, and that can always get so convoluted because then you get into talking about like light work, but it's not just about light work. It is, it, yeah, it's, it's really embracing both. It's understanding that both have to exist and in a human body and dealing with real life examples that can get really difficult and mm-hmm. hard. <laughs> it's easier to say it on a theoretical level of like, yeah, light and dark, it's all here. Um, but yeah, I mean, when doing quantum work, I think that what's become more and more important for me is to talk about how much the ancestral work is important because it's like, it's not just one aspect. Like we need to do it all. We, everyone needs to do ancestral work. Everyone will end up tapping into quantum work and looking towards the future. Like to me, you know, in a, in a society that kind of tells you to pick one thing, it's not about that. Like where we're going in age of Aquarius, like doesn't have room for that even, you know, like you have to own your ancestral um, trauma and your own ancestral gifts and like use that as a place to be able to move forward. And then in moving forward, seeing what's beyond us and expanding our consciousness so that we can survive as a human race. (laughs) Cause that's really what it comes down to is like, the global warming is happening and the planet is, you know, caving, not caving in itself. It's going to push us out. It's going to do what it needs to do to survive. Unless if we know how to like get it together and figure it out. And I think that the dark energy has kind of like over dominated for a while, like with alt-right, you know, that's kind of been able to be the dominant energy. And I think it's about like a shift and a switch happening and letting the light energy dominate. But in order for that to happen, everybody's got to look at their shadow work. Yeah. I think it's interesting because obviously I've never uh, had a alt-right person on this fucking Like, I'm not Joe Rogan, yeah. you know, believe it or not. I'm <laughs> not interested in creating a space where like alt-right people can commingle with yeah. the rest of us. Uh, not no. at all. But 
what I have noticed, I mean, and this is also, you know, Trump in his position, as long as he was in it, has, I think, has done tremendous amount of trauma on the collective psyche, you know, and there was already a lot of trauma. And then he just continued to pound it, you know. So I don't know if maybe people will, you know, with more of a pro-science administration start to back off. I hope that they do. But I know from what I saw, especially at the end of 2020, that a lot of these COVID deniers, they think that they are the light workers. You know, they think they are the light in encouraging people to wake up. I mean, it was a really scary moment. And I don't know if you guys got the also we're seeing things like this come through to you. But there were these, you know, specific times in 2020 where I would get bombarded with these QAnon messages from people telling me to wake up, telling me that I was being controlled, sending me pictures of fucking Keanu Reeves like that wasn't a multi-million dollar Hollywood movie. Like that doesn't even make sense with the rhetoric. I don't think we were their target market. I don't market. think we were. Th- I think they will. I don't think we were the target market at all. I remember seeing people no. like posts about it, but not directly. I didn't know that. I mean, I couldn't believe that I was. I was crazy. It was it was so intense. It was yeah. so hostile. And I had to um, create so many boundaries on social media that I wasn't used to having to do right. because it was very vicious. Mm-hmm. But they were the ones who were using this language and saying that I was being pulled in by the dark forces. And as someone who also has never believed in hell or Satan or the demonization of things, like it's like, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Like there's everyone is complex, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone is all of their ancestors combined and all of everyone and everything and everyone is, you know, a multidimensional being. Right. So the idea that there are these camps of this and that to me just feels like somebody watched too many (laughs) sci-fi films. You know what I mean? And I think but I'm I'm so grateful for ha- to have you guys on the podcast and to talk about these terms and talk about this way of of spirituality of this sort of science focused science first I should say like spiritual understanding and complexities and dimensionality because I think it's so interesting and so provocative and so fascinating and and something that people should be able to access without fear that they're going to then be sort of pegged as like a, you know, one of these very, very toxic Mm. white supremacists who are using this language to justify their horrible behavior. Yeah. I mean, bringing it back to astrology and and as just another um, modality and tool that brings it back to Mm -hmm. science, it it brings us back to our ecosystem. And so, um, you know, with astrology SOS, we break down all of the retrogrades Mm -hmm. That's like half the book, (laughs) telling people, you know, what to expect, what will happen through all the retrogrades. And then we have the equinoxes and solstices, and we have the moon phases, and we have all three Saturn returns in there, and then compatibility of elements, earth, water, air, fire. And so, and then there's like self-care hacks for each section of like how to work through that energy. Um, And so what's really cool about it is that it shows the 
the bigger picture of astrology of like how it means to move through the world. And it's all, it's science. It's, it's something that's rooted in universal energy. (laughs) It's like, it doesn't matter if you're a white supremacist or a woman of color, astrology is affecting you on some level. (laughs) Like (laughs) as much as y'all want to deny it, like that's astrology. That's astrology (laughs) SOS for sure. (laughs) I mean, that's a phrase right there. It doesn't matter if you're a white supremacist (laughs) or a woman of color, astrology is affecting you. (laughs) It's like, it's such a big thing. Like, I think that's something that like, I've noticed with astrology and like how people are approaching astrology. Like as much as I love, I love a good astrology meme. Like they, they send me laughing and stuff. I'm like, but there's so much like deeper energy to understand, especially like for you personally, but also like looking at like the, the astrological phases that are happening during the year. And like, you know, these huge retrogrades that are occurring and like, when did these also occur in our history and looking at what was going on during that time, like it can give you a lot of explanation. And so I think that that's something that people should really pay attention to is that like, if you're made up of the same stuff as like the ocean and the stars, then like, why wouldn't the planet's orbit affect you personally also? And astrology doesn't look at race, gender, all those things. It's, you're just an energy, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it's, to me, it's so accessible to, to de-gender astrology, to make astrology about this neutral energy because energy is neutral, you know, Mm -hmm. but obviously through time it has become so archetyped in these ways that are, you know, problematic too. Mm -hmm. But I think that at its core and why I'm not going to stop working as an astrologer is because the universal truths of it, you know, at the foundation of what we're talking about and what we can talk about doesn't have to do with whether or not Venus Mm -hmm. is a feminine planet or cancer is a feminine sign or Leo is a masculine sign. It has to do with like these more poetic expressions of our own multidimensionality and us being all of it, you know, not just siloing ourselves and subdividing ourselves, Mm -hmm. but encompassing all of it, moving through all of it. And, you know, like a disco ball, you know, like sometimes the light is going to be showing on shining on one area and you're going to get the results of that. But the whole thing is 360 covered in beautiful glass and mirrors. And at different points, there's going to be different reflections that are made just based on the fact that it's spinning, Mm -hmm. you know, much like we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, you touched on something that I already was thinking of before, which is like that, you know, it doesn't make sense to subdivide everything. It's all encompassing. And I think that's so much of where we're kind of going as a human race is this idea of like, we are everything. Um, And like, of course, you've got to step into certain, you know, different roles in order to be able to experience that. But it's even people realizing that they don't have to be an astrologer to tap into Mm -hmm. astrology, you know, and to, and to experience what it has for them. Like it's, it's accessible and available to everybody. So taking away these, I don't know, like the, this idea of titles and, and, um, just kind of like being just, but I think it's scary. You know, it's like, what's that quote? Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are Mm -hmm. powerful beyond measure. You know, to like have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he Pisces moon. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> <laughs> you did. Love that phrase. <laughs> Damn. Um, yeah. Like if somebody told you that you could be anything and do anything, you know, um, and it just takes application. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I think that's what we're all learning to really tap into. You know, we don't just have to be doctors and lawyers. Yeah. And I think that there's this really interesting, like there's this interesting dance between those, you know, of like being in these bodies that we have that have the attributes and sort of have been identified, you know, like agreed upon by society. What is society? Like the construction of many things that we can't even, you know, that we weren't responsible for constructing. Mm -hmm. So we have to sort of, we're like operating in these vessels, doing the things that we're doing in these vessels, but then also transcending Mm -hmm. and also transcending through the perspective that we have in our own humanity, Mm -hmm. recognizing that that also is like, cannot be discounted, you know, as part of the process of basically like, you know, what car are you using to get there to arrive at that destination? It does matter what car you're driving because you need to know how to operate it. Yeah. I think it's about not getting stuck in one place, right? It's like anger is a necessary vehicle. Sadness is a necessary vehicle, but there's a moment that we're being asked to fully embrace it. And then there's a moment that we're being asked to move to the next one. And so it's like each title that we take on is a necessary part of the journey until we don't need that title anymore, until we can shed that skin and kind of go, oh, I am that thing, but I am also more than just that thing. Yes, I love that. That's so beautiful. And I mean, really refreshing to have this conversation without having to what I have said before is like Hansel and Gretel my way to these like very (laughs) (laughs) like, you know, uh, spiritual, heavy, existential conversations. Because, you know, sometimes you have to like set things up and be like, okay, imagine this. (laughs) Take, for instance, your reality is just a construction of what you imagine it to be. (laughs) Imagine for a moment that Everyone has their own reality, you know? <laughs> it's like, okay, okay. okay. You know. <laughs> but you just like jump right in and be like, yeah, mm-hmm. all of that is true. Done. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> I think is really lovely and inspiring and refreshing. And I know that our listeners are going to want more of it, which is my very seamless segue into where can we continue to listen to you guys, follow your work, uh, and c- participate in your community. Yeah, we have um, the Woke Mystics website. Woke Mystics is spelled W-O-K-E-M-Y-S-T-I-X. And that's wokemystics.com. And then we also have, um, we do a lot on on Instagram. Like that's our predominant um, social media platform. So you can follow us at the Woke Mystics, spelled the same way. And we usually post infographics on there, um, astrology stuff, um, talks about the celestial changes that are happening, the seasonal changes as well, promote our episodes on there. There's some fun memes. So definitely our community is mostly on Instagram. And yeah, uh, then of course, buying Astrology SOS, you know, that's our, our baby. <laughs> so it's out there now in the world for you to get. And if you go to our website, it can be found on our homepage link to purchase it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been so lovely. Um, thank you. You guys are amazing. <laughs> I can't believe that we're we're a little triplet family. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you.